It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Day two here at the 2019 San Diego Winter Meetings have gone off pretty good here for the Phillies. Agreeing to a deal with Didi Gregorius, shortstop, one year, $14 million. So we have the Yes Network's clubhouse insider, Meredith Morakovitz, and former Philly Tony Gwynn Jr. Coming up here next on Pine Tar for Breakfast. What up and welcome to yet another episode here, day two at the winter meetings and what a day. A lot of people in the lobby again, a lot of conversation. I got to experience my first, well, I didn't even get to experience it. I I wanted to show up for the Boris sit down and it's not even a sit down. It's a stand on a uh, pedestal. They actually had a a backdrop for the Boris Corporation, and to see the amount of media members, and, and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating this, it was about 300 people surrounding one little area down in the lobby over at the Grand Hyatt in San Diego, California, and so it was pretty interesting to see, but big news for the day is Didi Gregorius, one year, $14 million, your new shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies. I think is a fantastic look. He's been linked the entire time. Joe Girardi, um, it has been known that the Giants and Brewers were in on him. And it comes down to having that that guy at the helm. The addition already of Joe Girardi has shown that guys love playing for him. Didi Gregorius loves playing for him. And he chose the Phillies. So, with that, you, you wonder... Well, what is he going to bring? Well, you're bringing a, a – he's going to be 30 years old next year. He's coming off of Tommy John after the – you know, at the end of the 18 year and struggled a little bit at the beginning part of it this year as he's coming back from injury, but ended up with 16 homers in 82 games. That's before he hit 50 homers in the previous two years, and he's three of the last four hit 20 home runs. Um, and I think the offensive side, the upside that he has is great. He's not going to walk a lot, but it's the defense and the prowess that he has, the ability for him to cover some ground. He is a shortstop, and he's a darn good shortstop with great hands. And I think for a Philly fan, I hope you're excited. And Matt Klintak doing a heck of a job, and, and Ned Rice doing a heck of a job, Joe Girardi doing a heck of a job in recruiting of Didi Gregorius look one year 14 million that's a around everyone thinks it's kind of a steal everyone thought it was going to get closer to 17 18 19 million and I I I don't see it like that but at the same time I look at it as steal because you know what he adds so much not only on the field but off the field 
in the clubhouse. He is a presence. He is someone that people are going to look up to. And I am excited, like no other, to a guy that, that he's the one that took over for Derek Jeter. He took over for Derek Jeter and only goes on and has a 20 home run year at 25, 27. I mean, the guy can play. He's played in the biggest and the most spotlighted area as shortstop for the New York Yankees. And now he's your Philadelphia Phillies shortstop for a year. And who knows? Maybe he loves it. Maybe it turns into something even longer. But in the meantime, we could talk about so many different things other than the fact that shortstop is not something they're going to have to worry about. Next year, you have the... What's interesting now is what do you do with Scott Kingery? I was talking to some buddies today. Uh, it's almost it, it, it's almost a negative because he's so good at so many different spots. Scott Kingery could play second. I, I do believe still to this day that he will win a, a gold glove at second base if given the opportunity over there. But he has the ability to play third base at a really, really high clip. Um, he's a, He turned himself into a really good shortstop. I mentioned that so many times on the broadcast last year. But in center field, we saw so many. So being so athletic and so versatile, yes, it is such a blessing to have something like that. But at times for Scott Kigri, it's going to be like, man, I want to just play whatever one position. But you know what? That's not the case right now. He's so valuable in, in what he brings to the table. At, at so many different positions, so it's pretty awesome. It's it's going to be where they going to do with Gene Segura. Is it going to be move over to second base? Is it going to move to third? That's going to be the question. It is not going to be something that's answered right now. It's going to be answered during spring training, and I, and I feel like people need to be patient on it to understand what's going to go on. Maybe there is even a trade involved, but Didi Gregorius at, at shortstop, I would love to see Gene Segura at third base and Scott Kingery up the middle to think about the amount of ground that those two could cover up the middle would be unbelievable. The arm of Gene Segura at third base, I think the reaction time, he would the hands, he could do it. He has the footwork to do it. And it just takes a little bit less off of him. Maybe he'd just turn into third base and be like, hey, we need you to hit 25 this year. Let's do it. Why not? But in the meantime, shortstop's not in any question. So we were talking about it yesterday. The $208 million is the luxury tech threshold and going into this there are just south of 20 million left so 14 so you could add just you know maybe 5.8 5.5 let's say 5.5 to 5.8 million before you get closer now to the luxury tax where dd at right after dd gregorius is uh signing of the contract so i think that is going to be interesting to see how they're able to you know navigate their way through this whole thing and for me, you know, technically, you could sign, at the end of this, you could sign JT Real Muto to a, a longer-term deal, um, but also have this first year be a little bit less so you, you could fit it under that luxury tax even more. But we'll see. Stuff that we're going to get answered tomorrow as Matt Clintac's going to join me on Pine Tar for breakfast, so join me for that one as well. So today, you could reach me at, at Kevin Franzen if you have any questions here about the winter meetings. But I felt like, why not? Who is a has direct ties to the Philadelphia Phillies? Whether well, working for the Iron Pigs and the Philadelphia area for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. 
But Meredith Marakovitz, who works for the Yes Network, the Clubhouse Reporter, she is amazing. She's really, really good at her job. She's beyond knowledgeable of the game of baseball. So we felt like, why not talk to her about Didi Gregorius? So, in the meantime, Pintar for Breakfast has something for you. I'm sitting here with Yankees Clubhouse reporter on the Yes Network, Meredith Morakovitz. How are you? I'm great. Great. Great to be back on the Philly airwaves. I mean, we felt like there couldn't be a more perfect person because you have the Philly affiliation, and then you have Didi Gregorius, Joe Girardi, all the people that you've been around for... Quite a few years, and, and, and it's not saying it. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, those two individuals in itself are unbelievable. What are the Phillies getting in Didi Gregorius? You're getting a great player, first and foremost. I think if you look at his numbers when he first came back, maybe came back a little bit early from that Tommy John surgery, maybe didn't trust his arm fully, had trouble getting to inside pitches. But we all know that Didi Gregorius is a much better player than he showcased last year. He's a guy that can provide some power from the left side of the plate. uh, And he really will fit nicely in Citizens Bank Park. I think he'll have a lot of success heading there. And defensively, he makes some outstanding <laughs> plays. He is as sound as they come as a shortstop and has a tremendous arm. And then off the field stuff, he's an interesting mm-hmm. dude. He's, a, he's not only a great clubhouse guy, but he's a he's, knight. He speaks like five <laughs> different languages. When he was rehabbing from Tommy John, he was bored. He taught himself how to play piano. Like, he's just a very interesting dude. I think you guys are going to enjoy him. You got a good one. So let me ask you this from from you know where you sit and and the way you interact with guys and and i asked this and it's i think a loaded question because we see the kids from curacao they come you know or or you know the netherlands and that aptitude that they have speaking three at minimum three languages and most are like at five six it's unbelievable how much does that translate into, you know, being able to communicate, be able, to, whether it's with reporters or whether it's it's teammates, like knowing Spanish, knowing, it's unbelievable, but seeing it from Didi, how did the leadership quality out of that, you know, the communication part help? Well, I think it's helpful just if there are guys on your team from different areas, you're able to communicate with everybody. It's not a one-way street. You know what everybody is saying. So I think from that perspective, it's helpful. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you guys have in your farm system right now. I'd have to go back and do a little bit of research. But, you know, he was good with some of those Latin American guys that he's able to communicate and help them understand yeah. why they need to do things a certain way. And coming from a guy like Didi, the message is sometimes better received than by a random coach Absolutely. here or there. So when you have one of your your peers trying to help you out in that regard I think that is helpful and for those guys in Curacao it's pretty wild like that's just second nature to them mm-hmm. they don't even look at that as a big deal and I had the opportunity to go down and see where Didi grew up uh, he had me tour pretty much the whole island you can drive through the whole island in like 35 <laughs> minutes um, top but, down it's all good yeah, you know yeah. you're in the Jeep I was calling him Mario Andretti because he was driving so fast I was like Didi what are you doing come on Um, But no, he took me to one of the fields that he currently trains on when he's back or they'll do clinics there and stuff. And he's very passionate about giving back to the kids in Curacao, trying to get them involved in baseball. They do a baseball clinic every year. But he joked that you see right now there are a couple guys in the league from Curacao, middle infielders that have great hands and have high aptitude. And he said he thinks it's because back in the day, their fields were so bad and there were so many rocks on them that 
he felt as though it forced him to have better reaction time because you never knew where the ball was going. So he said even though it's nice to have these beautiful fields, he actually thinks he may have gotten better earlier mm -hmm. because he was forced to train a certain way just because of the conditions there. It was kind of a, a new, newish sport to him there. I, I think, you know, playing for the Yankees for a few years now and, and understanding that, there, you know, a lot for a while was a button-up, you know, operation, and everyone. He brought a, like a different swag, and and it was it was a confidence about him. Uh, it's not like full emotion, but there is there is a difference that he brought that I don't think New York had seen it in a while. I get it. Look, Derek Jeter was there, as pro as it's ever going to be. But there's something about Didi that teammates, I think fans, they gravitated towards. Could you, is there anything that you could pinpoint with him on that? I think it's, he likes to have fun. He realizes it's a game he's playing every day and he's going to enjoy every minute of it. That doesn't mean that he does not take his job seriously. He does not prepare adequately. He just recognizes the fact that he's blessed to be able to basically make a living playing a child's mm -hmm. game. And not every guy gets that. He's one of the guys that gets that. And he has that infectious smile. So it's yeah. like hard not to like him um, and I think that's where uh, oh we're moving things around here at the Grand Hyatt in I was gonna say holy hell we got we got a bartender right here and oh everything. my we'll be here all night <laughs> um, no but you know he does the did the fun things I don't know if he'll carry the tradition to Philadelphia but he did the emoji tweets after the games that fans really liked and liked to decipher who was who and then this year he did the emojis and he did art as well that he would post Which about so he does all of his art stuff, photography, all these interesting things that you don't realize perhaps some people have some of these different interests, not just baseball. Well, I was going to say, you, not only have you, you covered, you know, whether it started with, like, with the pigs and, and Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and the Sixers and, and then the Yankees and, and being around multiple sports and seeing that, is there anyone that you've ever been around as far as player-wise that is as, as diverse in what he does on an – on the field one thing but off the field and being able to you know like you said yeah. teach himself the piano in, in the art part the, the the ability just to communicate with people and you know that happens with fans I mean is there anyone that's close to that um, he's he's an interesting case I mean he's just he has so many talents and he does things very well a lot of different things well and I actually had a conversation with him once about that it's like some people hope they have just one talent and you're like <laughs> a good baseball player, right? If not a great baseball player, yet you do all these other things. And he's like, no, 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 everybody has multiple talents. Just not everybody taps into them and works on them and, and uses them, but everybody has yeah. talents. And I'm like, but Didi, not like you. And he's like, no, everyone has them. They just need to find what works for them and what their talent is. So I thought that even was kind of an interesting answer and an interesting thought process yeah. in getting there. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm 100% sure that I can't play shortstop for the New York Yankees that is not one of my talents well, one of the things that I found like and I don't know it's the humbleness behind it but like did he understand what he was doing in New York because you, you talk about like his the on-field prowess but he did stuff that Jeter never did and I get it like Derek's in his own different world but like when you're talking about the walk-off homers the you know five hit games and the, the multiple you know extra base hits and as a shortstop of the New York Yankees did did he ever, like, really get it, like, how, how enormous that was? I mean, I think he 
did to an extent, but also like the first year, all anyone wanted to talk about is replacing Derek Jeter, replacing this legend, replacing a guy that's going in the Hall of Fame, most likely. I mean, I don't see how most he's likely, not, no. no, in next July. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be first ballot, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see him in Cooperstown officially in July of next year. Um, and, and he kind of got over those questions really quickly. He said, I don't want to be Derek Jeter. I don't want to be compared to Derek Jeter. I'm me. I just want to be me. I want to go out there and play the way I know I can play. And it's interesting. When he came over from Arizona, there was a thought that he couldn't hit lefty pitching. Like, this guy isn't an everyday player. He can't hit lefties. He's never going to be a consistent player at the major league level. He heard that noise, and he was sure that he was going to prove people wrong. He always had a tremendous amount of confidence. He proved that he could hit lefties. He could be an everyday player. And New York is not an easy place to play. There are a lot of media members. There's a lot of stuff going on. And he handled everything beautifully. So if you would have asked who should we replace Derek Jeter with, I don't think you could have picked a better guy. Now, did they know that 100% going into it? Probably not. They were hoping. They were hoping, and it did work out. And you know what? I think if he didn't have that Tommy John surgery, we're not sitting here. He's not a member of the Phillies, and he's probably locked up to a long-term Yankees deal. Well, on that note, I think it's a good one to even talk about because the person that gave him that chance was Joe Girardi. Yes. And I think us as the you know broadcasters for you know the Phillies, we have an opportunity to talk to Joe. We see him. I've already seen him in action as far as being able to uh, lead a room. Give us, give us the lowdown on Joe because all, all we see is pro. We see a pro and we see someone that, that's a, he's a leader. Prepared. I've never seen somebody so unbelievably prepared into the details. He knows every single detail like the back of his hand, which is how you should be as a manager, but perhaps not everyone is like that. And I mean, it couldn't be more night and day between him and Gabe Kapler. They're just two totally different personalities. Joe is very formatted, very, I don't want to say strict, but but almost a military type personality where I think Gabe was maybe a little bit more free flowing and thought about things a little differently. Joe's a bit more traditional and he's a great teacher. And I think that could come into play in Philadelphia because you guys do have some youth on that team. Um, but he certainly is a professional. He can manage a game. He thinks about steps six <laughs> innings in advance, you know. Uh, he's a planner. He's proven with the Yankees that he can keep a bullpen healthy. He can manage a bullpen and not overuse guys too much, which is something that some managers struggle with at times. And a lot of people lean on their pitching coaches, but ultimately it's the manager's decision of who he's putting in and and who he's taking out. So um, I think you guys are going to be pretty happy with Joe Girardi. Now here's my question. When you see him, ask him if he's going to do a Joe Girardi show in Philadelphia because he used to do the Joe Girardi show with me on Yes Network. Boy, better because my partner Scott Fransky is gonna have to do it every day. But but the thing with I like I I don't know. Okay, so comedians to me are the ones that are able to like get in front of a crowd and own it, right? And just the whole room is is at the at their just their palms. They're just like you're eating out of it. He is one of the and I've been around like Boach was one of my managers. You know Felipe Alou, Mike Sosha. They were all you know big big time leaders. I listened to him speak one time in front of a group in Joe Girardi, and I've never been around someone that I felt like owned a room and had everyone just, what next? What next? What? <laughs> could you say that? I mean, is that accurate with him? I mean, that was, I mean, it's a personal opinion, but like yeah. you've been around it and you've seen it. 
But the way he was able to own it, I was like, holy hell. <laughs> You're like, this guy can do some talking. All right, are you available for motivational speeches at our station? No. Uh, no, I mean, he definitely commands respect. He knows what he's doing. He can walk the walk and talk the talk. He's played the game, and he has those experiences to lean back on. And also, he's managed on the toughest stage in, oh. in New York. So if you can handle that one. for as many years as you have, right? And it ultimately, they wound up going their separate ways. But I think you look at his record, and you look at his body of work as a whole and you would call his time in New York a success for sure and I think in Philadelphia man you guys are just thirsty for another championship and really just another run at it and a legitimate run at it at, at that you know I remember back when I was there and I was covering teams 07 08 09 the glory days those were fun days were fun. those were fun they weren't fun to play against. Well, yeah those, those were fun days you know and they want to get back to that they're building to try to get back yeah. to that and having a guy with the experience that he has I think is going to be helpful in bringing some of these younger guys along. On the Phillies end we get Zach Wheeler but on the Yankees end the possibilities of getting a, a Garrett Cole I mean like for okay so for you someone who's covering the team and being around the team and knowing that like you're losing such a leader in, in CC Sabathia to gain it in a possible you know Garrett Cole signing like is it exciting for you like just to know that there's a possibility I get it it's a, it's we would be talking about money, but it's the top, we're talking about the best pitcher on the planet possibly, right. and and being able to see that all the time. How how does it make your job like in in the way you feel on, you know, covering them? Everyone's always like, oh, it's about the money. I'm like, it's not my money. Spend the money. Exactly. Spend, Spend the money. It. Make make the team as good as possible, please. Hundred uh, percent. No, it's exciting, and it gets fans excited, which in turn makes us at the Yes Network <laughs> excited because that means people are watching and they want to see what's going on and they want to learn more about the players and not just watch games but watch our pregame and our post game uh, but you look at their rotation right now and obviously any team that gets Garrett Cole is automatically upgraded tremendously but you look at the fact that Severino was injured the majority of last year so you have Paxton Severino and Masahiro Tanaka already one two three which that's, if I if I don't unbelievable one two three right there if I don't if I don't I, have to, I, I hate to cut you off on that but like the, the Tanaka one people forget that guy's been so good and yet he's not talked about enough consistent consistent he had a little trouble with this splitter with the new mm -hmm. baseballs this year uh, where he maybe lost consistency at times but still found a way to get it done all the time and I think it's maybe because it's not like that sexy 100 mile an hour fastball anymore or I mean the splitter is filthy when he's mm. throwing it well <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean like if he's not I was the first one to see the split were you yeah spring training at, at against we could say that in Clearwater, and we had that rain delay for his first start, and it was Freddie Galvis gets a base hit on the first you know, fastball, and I, I see the first two pitches. I'm like, I have to see the split for the first time. Like it's gross. Yeah, you're like, what? I, I don't have a, no, no chance, no chance. No, but you look at that, you have one, two, three there. You add Garrett Cole to that mix. I mean, you are exponentially better. They have a guy in Davey Garcia that I think could play a role. He was in AAA last year, fell off a little bit. Maybe fatigue was an issue at that point in time of the season. He had never pitched that many innings before. Uh, but I can see him as a guy that they would bring in and bring along from the bullpen, so that would just be another bullpen arm. But you have those four guys. I don't know what's going to happen with Jay Happ, former Philly. Um, it sounds like they're trying to move him and move a little bit of that money. Time will tell if they're able to do so. But then you look at their bullpen, and they still have a great bullpen with Chapman, Britton, Ottavino. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. So you would think with the team and Garrett Cole, like, 
they should be destined for good things in the 2020 <laughs> season. Now, they were a 103-win ball club last year. How do you improve a 103-win team? Obviously, you get Garrett Cole, but aside from that... You win the World Series. It's not like... They were a terrible ball club last year by any stretch of the imagination. There wasn't a ton of things that they really needed to do or, or could do. So yeah. we shall see. Well, I appreciate you coming on Pine Tar for breakfast, Meredith, and good luck this year. <laughs> Enjoy, hopefully, in the next couple of days getting a, uh, a lot more to talk about. Fingers crossed, fingers <laughs> crossed. And, and I'm bummed we only play you guys every – well, I should say they only play because I obviously am not in your No, be your part of it. Yeah, but, um, every three years. It's such a bummer, but I'll see you in spring training. Can't wait. Thank you. Wow, that was awesome. And Meredith is so knowledgeable, and it's great to hear all the stuff about Didi and, and especially Joe Girardi. Um, the direct ties that she's had, the many of years of, of dealing with Joe and, and obviously the last couple of years with Didi. And uh, like I said, he's going to be bringing something special and, and Joe's going to be some, bringing something and credibility to managing of the Philadelphia Phillies. And I find what Meredith said to be just perfect. So on to the next, which I was able to sit down with former Philadelphia Phillies outfielder. And uh, just a, a, someone that's kind of well-known here in San Diego. His family's well-known. Well, why don't you just take it from there? Welcome back, Pintar, for breakfast. You know you like that name for that right there. I'm, I'm, look. It's very Kevin Franz. That, right that's there. what I'm talking about. So I got Tony Gwynn Jr., at Tony Gwynn Jr. on Twitter. Yes, it's like me, at Kevin Franz. And we are very unique. We got everything going. Simple. Simple. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I don't know. This is weird. You enjoying the chaos? It's, it, it's still it's still new to me. So 2019 yeah, winter meetings here in San Diego in your hometown. I mean, is it is it ever getting better than this? Not really. <laughs> Not really. I mean, everybody else sleeping in hotel beds. I get to sleep in my own bed. So uh, I consider it a one-up for me. Uh, man, you get you get baseball like at this. At this level, with this many people here in San Diego, it, it's pretty cool. I think people here enjoy having the winter meetings a couple times we've had it. Oh, hell yeah. So, former Philly, yep. both of us, we love to talk about Phillies. We love to talk about baseball, baseball. in general. Uh, I know you, you know, work for the Padres, do a lot of stuff around here. 97.3 The Fan, you have yep. your own show, The Gwen and Chris Show. Thanks for coming on yesterday. Yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, totally <laughs> elevated that whole thing. Ratings went off the charts. But, all right, so needs for the Phillies we we got Zach Wheeler yeah uh and and trying to get the whole athleticism around I think the whole team and trying to get better is there an area that you look at with the especially like the NL East and how strong it is that you're yes. going you know yeah. the Phillies if they got more of this we're talking they have a, a better chance I think Zach Wheeler is the f first place to start <laughs> uh it just seemed like the arms you guys had got hurt some guys had some rough years you, and you brought it up yesterday on the show and I think it's the, the actual perfect point after starting pitching it's depth mm -hmm. um, top heavy uh, is is that Phillies roster or it has been they have to find a way to get the depth you see where the game is going <laughs> multi-positional guys interchangeable um, wouldn't you love to have the 26 man I Are think you about it all the time Kev like this would have been the perfect era to we be. We would have gotten to ten. Oh my gosh. We would have gotten to ten years. I, I I do my I do my best not to think about it so I don't get bitter. <laughs> but it, this is this is the perfect time to be playing baseball. Not only for guys like you and I when we play, but even for the for the for the big guys. Like it's not 
a whole load like it mm -hmm. used to be. Mm -hmm. Those guys even get some days now. So um, it's depth. The game is about depth now. Load management. <laughs> <laughs> in, in NBA, they call it load management. So, I mean, look, we're in a place right now that uh, with your family and, and, you know, your dad is the greatest hitter that I've ever seen. Uh, I would agree. <laughs> I hope you would, but like, okay. So we we've had we've broken it down, you know, just off air and just talking about you know hitting in general and. Yeah. Okay, with the ball, with the shifts, with everything that's going on, what are you like? What makes you mad about today's hitter? I think I wanted to bring it up because I yeah, feel like there's yeah. a lot of guys on the Phillies that in general are better hitters. Than they are, but because they're you know trying to do you know certain things, it just it, it hinders it. What, what's the one thing that you you want to see? So I don't know if you know how we break pitchers down, throwers and pitchers. <laughs> um, I don't know what that second word is for hitting, mm -hmm. but we need more of it. Mm -hmm. Like on the you know like you have pitchers that that can locate whether they have velocity or not, and they know how to pitch. I don't necessarily. Uh, it's not that I necessarily don't like the new things I see from the hitting side because I do like a lot of it. But there's a there's a a, a chess match that goes on in an at bat, and too many guys kind of have just thrown that chess match away, and it's feast or famine. And I think ultimately what we saw with the Nationals this year is a team that had all those all those elements we talked about, but. They were good at executing and at bat. Like, if you fell behind, they were gonna put you in a box, and they were gonna make you pay. <laughs> if you if if you got ahead, okay, they were gonna they were gonna temper down what they wanted to do, and maybe just try to put the ball in play. I just see far too many punch outs on at bats that are quite frankly, you you have no business punching out on. It's it's the like the ability of two strike adjustment. It's like oh yeah, you're taking away from it. It's like no. The whole goal should be to be on, on, on base, base, right? And, and then they talk about the walk and doing that stuff. It's like, look, I never saw a ball I didn't like want to hit. Right? It's over my head. I'm going to swing at it. It's like I, I don't understand. I, I, I can't get it. Because to me, like getting a, hitting a base hit the right uh, and, and being a single, it's for me, it's three times better than a, in a walk. And, and people are like, why? I'm like, because for me, I'm, I just defeated the pitcher. Right, right. And in he that, might. In that, in that personal one-on-one -on -one matchup, yeah. no doubt. But in, in a lineup, there is a job for everybody, one through nine. Mm -hmm. Let's just say one through eight in the National League, right? Mm -hmm. And you got your boppers. You got that's what their job is. Mm -hmm. They're okay, you're okay with them taking those risks with two. But everybody can't be like that <laughs> through the lineup. Like one through eight, everybody can't be the same guy. Mm -hmm. You you have guys in those. You're supposed to have guys in those positions because they have a skill set that fits oh. what you need them to do, and which you start seeing in the playoffs and it, and it's, it sucks that it takes you get into the playoffs before you start to see mm -hmm. roster construction mm -hmm. uh, lineup construction why it's that way um, but that's what I would like to see more because it would actually make for a more an entertaining game to watch from a spectating standpoint well what, what pisses me off is the fact that you have what happens with the Astros and the sign stealing where that's been a, the one thing I've gone to with them is you watch from 16 to 17 the, the the percentage of strikeouts at the drop and how much better they became, right. and it's like everything. My my bubble was bursted the other day when, yeah. you know, when all that stuff came out because I was like, these guys made the adjustment, and <laughs> so and, and then so we thought, and I'm like, yes, that's, that's what we're gonna get back to, and then the next thing you know, it's like, 
because oh, they knew everything that was coming. Damn it! When you look at when you look at over history of the game, right? When you see teams make jumps, it's it very rarely, other than maybe in the win loss category, do you see team go from last to first. Mm-hmm. And that's even rare, right? The Braves did it. Mm-hmm. I can't think of very many other teams. I'm sure there are some, but when you have um, a when you have a team that goes from dead last in the league punching out to first in the league the least amount of punch outs of course with not a whole lot of changeovers with not a lot of changeovers like of course i want to believe that it was a just a straight up a everybody got better because mm-hmm. i don't want to believe nobody's cheating like that yeah. but you get video evidence yeah. of it and you're watching guys foul off pitches take pitches like they are like <laughs> just got the best eyeballs ever it perks your perks your interest up a little bit 100%. and you know and it, you can tell that it's real because you were hearing rumblings about it mm-hmm. before everything burst. And people are genuinely mad around the game that, that mm-hmm. had to fail, and rightfully so. So, you know, to me, it... Because it, 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 took, that, it took that extra, like, scouting of, like, seeing if a guy tipped. Yes. Right? It, it, it took that... It, it, it was a game. It was a part of, like, seeing all the things. Yes. It, was, it was seeing Greg Maddox show you everything at second base and having holding a changeup. And then, and then switch it, switch up, it up as he's going because he's like, that, that, that was a part of it. I, I remember very distinctly the first time I, I got somebody, like mm-hmm. figured out, oh, <laughs> oh I, I see the tip. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like having a hard time keeping it to myself, like, and not exposing it to them that I know. Like, I'm telling my teammates, I'm loud. They're like, shh, keep it down, man. You got the first base coach right here. You know what I'm saying? So that was part of what made being a big leaguer fun because you always had somebody on your team somebody yeah. some guys were just over the top with it like mm-hmm. oh his forearms twitching you you know like man you can't see that knock it off but for the most part that was the that was the game inside yeah. the game and you hate to see you hate to even hear that yeah. guys are pushing it to the electronic side like and you know it's 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 kind of like i hate to bring up steroids but it's kind of along those lines, right? The more advanced they get in science, the more everything has to keep up. Same thing goes with technology. 100%. 100%. So, okay, so with that, the Astros lost to a guy a couple times in the uh, in the World Series in Steven Strasburg, and they knew everything that was coming. And, you know, a lot of it was the tipping part, but Steven just got paid. <laughs> and you being a friend, me being a, a former teammate friend of him, like both of us are, are, are psyched. But how much do you see – him signing that that seven years 245 or if you want to say a, a three-year extension for 145 million yeah. <laughs> how much does that change the nl east does it change the nl east at all does it keep it the same does it you know uh, wh- wh- what do you see i mean listen they got <laughs> they got three horses if you count the way annabelle sanchez pitched in in his 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 playoff run they may have four right so um i'm not sure how that actually plays in the National League because Rendon's still out there. Um, And it sounded like listening to Mike Riz yesterday that there's still a chance they can bring him back. Now, if that's possible, that keeps the landscape where it is. Nationals at the top of that division. Um, If it doesn't, and you know what, I hate to even... I hate to even say that it changes things for Nationals because they have a fine, they, they got a good farm system usually. Usually mm-hmm. somebody that we don't know, we, you know, the next Soto is going to come up, fill that spot. <laughs> they have a shortstop Garcia. He's unbelievable. He's like go. 18 years there old. There you go. So they, they, they always have players in there. They may not be the top farm system, but they always got some guys in there that can step in. So it would change it dramatically, though, if Rendon doesn't go mm-hmm. back to that squad, especially I heard Phillies were interested, things of that nature. That, that's, a, that's a game changer. 
He is so good. He's well, so, he's so overrated too. No, I mean, okay, so it, it, the rest of this this, this uh, winter meeting's here, and you you got your show going on uh, in just a few minutes. But the the biggest thing I want to know is there going to be something bigger that happens in a Steven Strasburg signing here in your mind? Garrett Cole, he could go down in the next couple of days. It, it certainly seems like teams are getting their offers in. Uh, he's the next big domino, I think, that's going to drop. <laughs> big domino, 300 mil domino. 300 mil plus, possibly. <laughs> I mean, just think 245 was the number was being tagged to him going into this offseason. Strauss like, gets it. That's like, he spit, like, the fact that he's spitting on that and being like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's probably the next uh, shooter drop. It's probably Garrett Cole. Probably, my guess is it'll probably be a few days after we're done here. I just wanted one huge trade. Like, I didn't even care about the free agents. I just wanted, like, a blockbuster trade that happened at here at least the winter the, meeting. Let me tell you, this winter meeting has been much more eventful than <laughs> last year's. I was in Vegas for that, and literally nothing was happening. But there's a reason for that. It was Vegas. Everyone was at the craps table. <laughs> well, well, two years before that, nothing was happening. So I'm just happy that there is, has been movement, and there's been significant money spent. So kudos to the players. Well, Tony, I appreciate you coming on Pine Talk for breakfast. Uh, You've got a show to do in a few minutes. I do. And you're going to be talking about nothing anyway, so yeah, yeah, good old San Diego discussion. Chargers. <laughs> we don't we only got one, one professional team out here. Isn't that so crazy? It is. It's sad is it's what sad. it is. It's really sad. But it is what it is. It is what it, it is. It is what uh, it is. At, to- at Tony Gwynn Jr., get him on Twitter. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I hate having fun with a guy I love and uh, just means a lot not only to this game. And he, he does. Because he, he holds on to that name of, of being a, a Gwyn with the passion for the Padres, you know, fan base here and, and Philadelphia fans. Got to see him play in action wearing number one nine, I think is special. So with that being said, that's the conclusion of day two here at the winter meetings. This is Kevin Franzen and Pie Tar for breakfast. Join me tomorrow as I'm gonna have Matt Clintac on. Oh yeah. We're gonna talk everything right here on Pie Tar for Breakfast. Peace.